This is Chris Martin, and me and my buddy Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Everything, host an NBA podcast called The Mismatch. They call it The Mismatch because I'm awesome and Kevin is a gigantic nerd. No, no, that, that's not why at all, Chris. They call it The Mismatch because I have a brain and you're a loudmouth bozo. Good grief. <laughs> anyway, listen to our amazing NBA podcast, The Mismatch. Or don't. We really don't care. We're probably going to win a million awards either way. <laughs> Chris, we do care. So don't say that. Please subscribe and listen to The Mismatch only on Spotify. Did you really call me a bozo? <laughs> Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between, offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthierhappenstogether. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. It is the Ringer NFL Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I am Kevin Clark, joined on day three of the draft by Stephen Ruiz. Stephen, hello. It's the best day of, uh, of the year for football fans. Yeah. I, I was saying that sarcastically. No, it's not. What? Anyone who pretends it is, it's virtue signaling. There was a quote that, that went around. I guess it's, uh, I've seen it before, but it was from Bill Polian. And it said that today, day three, that's the day that Super Bowl champions are made. That sounds like marketing for day three of the draft and not anything that's ever been said inside an NFL facility. It comes from someone who had a first round grade on Tom Brady and let him fall to day three. So maybe I don't want to throw a wet blanket. There were really good players taken today. Kalen Jones is also here. Hello, Kalen. Hello. You know, we'll see if the greatest player of all time was picked it in and you guys get to regret ever saying that you slept in day three no. of the 2022 NFL draft. Yeah, we're, we're, we're not going to do our sleepers on day three, but it sounds like Steven Ruiz is, was asleep. For today, I can't believe you. Kalen and I are the only guys in this pod who know ball and are going to diagnose these day three guys and figure out who the gems are. That's that's fine. That's fine. I'm going to enjoy watching you guys talk about day three prospects, but <laughs> I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do so it. So we're going to uh, do a pretty broad recap of the draft that included, by the way, just a lot of gems on day three. Don't listen to Stephen Ruiz. Listen to Bill Polian, guys. Listen to Bill Polian. <laughs> well, I guess... There's some things you can't listen to Napoleon on. We'll leave those aside. Um, but we're going to do our two favorite classes and then two favorite picks. We're gonna, I'm, I'm at least going to focus on after day one. Um, that means I'm not going to talk again about the Eagles. I'm not again going to talk about the Ravens. I'm not again going to talk about the Packers. Even though the Packers, I thought, did a really nice job after day one. I just I showered them with so much praise on night one that I can't do another Packers segment, but I really like Christian Watson, uh, Sean Ryan, Zach Tom. They, 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 they drafted athletes who know what they're doing. They got a lot better. Um, but I'm going to put those teams aside and praise some, some new teams. Um, we'll go around the horn here. Kalen, who's your first favorite class? Uh, the first one I got here is the Texans. And, you know, like mm. I think it was a week ago, we were talking about, you know, which, you know, were the most, most important players in the draft and I mentioned Nick Casario and I think he hit a home run with this class and I know we're trying to focus on you know non-day one people but I mean it's hard not to look at Derek Stanley yeah. and Kenyon Green and be like you know they hit both on on those two peaks but I love the Jalen Petrie pick like I'm a big fan of him I think he's going to be a stud for them I like John Mechie like eventually whenever he comes back from injury I think he's going to be pretty productive in a receiving core that's already pretty solid. They add a thumper, Christian Harris from Alabama, and then Damian Pierce. I think that was the big win that everyone immediately at the, at the start of, you know, day three today was talking about. Like, Damian Pierce could end up being RB1 for them. I know they have Rex Burkhead right now, but, you know, as far as the future, and we mentioned this, Kevin, like last time we chatted, like, Casario really did a good job of laying the foundation for what they can be in the future. So I was really impressed by Houston. Steven Ruiz. Are the Texans back? I praised the Texans on the last pod, so yeah, I I, I agree. I know, I know. That's why I'm putting the ball in your court. There's going to be two consecutive pro Texans ring around a fell show. You know what? They traded Deshaun in good vibes only now, from now on. 
I think that's what it is. But and well, I mean, there's good vibes and a bunch of draft capital that comes along with that. That's why good vibes and Jack Easterby. Yeah, yeah, Jack Easterby. It's working. Uh, Easterby's job starts now. He builds the culture with them now. Right. But I, I thought last offseason was interesting for them, where they just like signed a bunch of seventy overalls in Madden and just tried to figure out which ones would stick. And they they overachieved last year, and now they're starting to really add talent now that they have draft capital from the Watson trade and Casario, like. If he does what he did in New England, he's going to provide talent for this coaching staff. The question is, did they get the coaching hire right? And yeah. for two years in a row, it's been kind of a weird coaching hire. Maybe they'll move on from Lovey Smith in a couple of years. But I think the roster is starting to come together, like Caitlin said. I agree. Um, I, I am also suspicious of, of the coaching cycle and the change and whether or not this is even long-term. They kind of botched this. I would actually have probably just rolled it over with David Culley if I were them and maybe just looked next year if it didn't work. Like, I just think that the stops and starts are not what you want from a coaching perspective. And and you almost are, if this is a complete disaster, you almost are, are stuck a little bit. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't want to get into that. What I do want to get into is that they added talent and I like it and, and they're at least building for something. I think that none of us are going to say they're going to be good in 2022. I wouldn't even go as far to say they're going to be good in 2023, but I think we're going to be talking about them in 2023 as a team. We're saying, okay, this makes sense. If they get a quarterback, if they get Kaylin talked about Pep Hamilton, like there are guys who, who there are pieces there. Um, I don't like the genre of, oh my God, we're old and we're going to die soon. But I do want to draw your attention to a quote that just came across uh, my internet, which is from Kobe Bryant, the, uh, the, the Cincinnati cornerback, now a Seahawk. Quote, my dad used to talk to me about Richard Sherman, Earl Thomas, and Cam Chancellor growing up. Good Lord. So the Legion of Boomer just didn't like my dad used to tell me stories mode already? Legion I, of Boomers. I can't reconcile like that team being an old team just because of their uniforms. Like They have like these like mo- modern uniforms. They, yeah, we're washed. We're all washed. They, good Lord. Let's stop recording. Let's go like take advantage of the time we have left. <laughs> oh, growing up with the Seahawks was Marshawn Lynch. I mean, maybe Matt, Matt Hasselbeck era. That That's growing yeah. up in Seahawks. It really puts into perspective that I just spent like the last three minutes of my life praising Jack Easterby. I'm really wasting my time. <laughs> on <everything>, man. <laughs> Patriot self, baby. <laughs> Steven, first class. Uh, I'm going to go with the Chiefs. Yeah. And I'm going to say it. Brett Veach is back. He's he never back, left, baby. brother. He never left. No, I feel like I put him on like fraud watch. Like It was like a shadow uh, fraud watch when they were going bad last year because they – I didn't think they added enough talent to the defense, but I really like every pick they made. I, I mean, I don't like the McDuffie pick because he is a little smaller, but they just lost Matthew. So if McDuffie can't hang outside, they can move him to the slot and they need a slot defender now. I thought they needed to get tougher on defense. I thought that was the reason why they lost to the Bengals both times last year, which really killed their season. Getting Karloftis is going to help in that regard. Brian Cook is a tackler, the safety out of Cincinnati. They couldn't yeah. tackle last year. Chennault, the uh, linebacker from yep. Wisconsin, My loves guy. contact. I don't know. This is a home run draft for them. Like, they filled all their needs. And then Sky Moore. I didn't even mention the Sky Moore pick. I yeah, think Sky, that's a- Sky, I thought you were going to mention Sky Moore first. No, yeah, I, I, I really should have. I really like swapping out Tyreek for him. I think I made the point on the emergency pod after Tyreek got traded that counterintuitively having Tyreek out there, I thought made it harder for them to get those explosive plays last year because people mm-hmm. were our defenses were just selling out to stop it. I could make the argument that having more in Hardman plus defenses not playing a bunch of too high to prevent Tyreek from beating them deep. I think that's more conducive for explosive plays than what they had last year with Tyreek when they basically turned him hmm. into a check down option. Yeah, I, I I loved what the Chiefs were able to do in this draft. Leo Chanel, like that's one of my favorite picks after the second round. I've been talking about him for a couple of weeks. I'm with you in this. He loves contact. And I feel like I, one thing I hate about like the YouTube highlights is it's all just him hitting the quarterback, but I kind of feel and that that's just the way that kind of the highlight industrial complex works is just like, you know, he, he hit a quarterback. Here's a highlight of it, but he really can do it all. And he's an amazing athlete and uh, the athleticism is there. So I'm, I'm, I'm all in on the way that they, they remade themselves and, and they, they remade this, this defense in a way. Um, Sky Moore, great pick. I just I think that there's a reason Brett Veach is one of the best GMs in football. It's because he's so good at plugging holes, and we saw what that looked like. Kalen Jones, what'd you think? Yeah, no, I agree with you guys. Uh, I, I, I even like the McDuffie pick because I tend to like those Pac-12 North corners. What a genre, the Pac-12 North corners. The North specifically. Do not give me any South Division Pac-12 corners. That's how I am with the Big Ten. I only like the, I only like the legends. I don't like the leaders. If you give me a leader, I'm, 
I'm not turning the card in. No, but for real, like Carl Aftis, like you said, I think is a really significant addition for them up front mm-hmm. because obviously I, I think like Steven, you pretty concisely put it like they were not tough enough, you know, up front to really deal with, you know, opposing offenses last season, especially it showed up against the Bengals last year. So I think adding Carl Aftis, I think him and Chanel, specifically in that front seven, along with Nick Bolton, like there's a foundation there for what they can be down the line. You know, we talk about Chris Jones and what they have already with him and Frank Clark, but Carlapis joining Chanel and Nick Bolton like that, that's that's going to be fun down the road. Even when that defense was going well, like when they were in the Super Bowl, they were always soft against the run, and mm-hmm. that was always a thing you could kind of prey on. Like I, the Patriots did in that first uh, AFC Championship game with Mahomes. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you're going to be able to do that now. They have tacklers. I, and I feel like tackling is such an underrated aspect of the game, and they just couldn't do it last year. And that's the reason they didn't go back to the Super Bowl. I think this year they're going to be better tacklers. It might take a year or two for this class to really set in and get up to speed, but they're just churning the roster now. And this is this is what great teams do, and this is how they stay great. Also would not be surprised if Brett Veach is at the Formula 1 race next week. Just saying. Just throwing that out there. As he, far deserves as big weeks, he deserves big it. Big weeks for Brett Veach. Just putting that on the radar. He also likes NASCAR, let alone fancy NASCAR. All right, so here's my first class. And they didn't have a first-round pick, so this is good. How about the Indianapolis Colts? Who, and listen, I I don't want to sound like a broken record over the course of this podcast. But my most sincere draft belief is the only way to draft well over a long period of time, a decade, is to bet big on athleticism as much as you possibly can and not make exceptions. Don't take bad athletes. Take guys who show explosion, who have good testing numbers. I know people want to say the 40-yard dash doesn't matter. In some cases, it doesn't matter. But a lot of times, it does matter. Vertical jump, broad jump, three-cone. This stuff matters because good athletes win. And what's, what's the, I think Chip Kelly used to say this, big people beat up little people. That's sort of how football works. And, and that, that, I will always default towards teams doing that. Now, there's a downside to that. The way I view prospects is very boom and bust. There are guys who just can't play. I, there's a reason. I was in on Alvin Kamara, Fred Warner, and Justin Simmons, three, three of my top guys, right? However, I was also in on Obi Mellonfalu and the Stanford tight end who retired to go run a crystal shop, okay? So sometimes that is no hyperbole. That's what he did. So sometimes these guys just can't play, but that's the boom and the bust of it. And I think that the floor is lowered when you only draft off athleticism, but it's still over the long haul, a good bet. And the hit rate is higher. Okay. That's my preamble to all of this, to the Indianapolis Colts. Why am I blanking on the tight end? Was it Andrew Lux tight end? uh, Devon Kausti. There's a J in there. I don't know if it's Kajusti or Kajusti. He was on Hard Knocks talking about crystals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then... Boy, boy, was that foreshadowing. He got in the crystal game. Uh, great numbers, though. Great numbers, though. <laughs> we could talk about that guy all day. But the Colts, by some measurements, I saw a couple people who study this closer, closer than I do. I, I, I want to say this. When, when I'm looking at athleticism, it's a lot of napkin math here. I'm not, I don't do the, the raw athletic scores like, uh, like some people do. I don't do the um, actual formulas that, that that are out there it's just a lot of kind of sliding scale and looking at it and, and just kind of coming up with guys I like but the people who study it say that the Colts may have had one of the best athletic classes in the history of the draft in the history of the draft so we'll start with Alec Pierce was the first pick who I like but Jelani Woods tight end from Virginia didn't go to the combine so he wasn't on my initial thing but his pro day numbers were unbelievable Bernard Raymond from Central Michigan, great athlete. Nick Cross, the safety out of Maryland, one of, one of Stephen Ruiz's, one of Stephen Ruiz's Terp brethren, an incredible athlete. And I think that Chris Ballard, with his understanding of how to measure athleticism, and he knows that. Let's see, he worked for John Dorsey, who was really good at that. John Dorsey came from the Green Bay model, which is really good at that. Green Bay is bets big on athleticism all the time. Chris Ballard's ability to understand the athletic thresholds necessary and with his pure scouting eye it's one of the best combinations that anybody has in football and that's why he has the tendency to have special classes and that's why I think this has a real chance without a first round pick to be a a a really special mid-round class having three third round picks in this draft 
is really important, and their maneuvering to do that is important. And then hitting on these guys, I I, I loved their third round so much, guys. I honestly, I think it's the most optimized draft process in the league consistently. It's not. I, I would even add another factor onto that. Like he has a scouting eye. He's drafting athletes, which is smart. And he's jacked. He's jacked. He's also jacked. Yeah. And he understands that we just need a bunch of picks. Like yeah, he's yeah. one of those GMs that's like, we need as many lottery tickets as possible. And when you do that consistently and every year, just drafting these super athletes and you're getting a bunch of guys and you have that scouting eye, like you said, like you know, he knows ball, he knows ball. You put those three things together and you're going to get consistently deep, good classes. And that's what the Colts have done. And that's how they've kind of built up this roster of, I'm going to use the analogy again. Like it's a bunch of like 80 overall Madden players all over yeah. the depth chart. They need to find a quarterback. I mean, they, they have Ryan for one or two years. That's the one criticism of Ballard. I think it's yeah. fair that he hasn't really attacked the quarterback problem since Andrew Luck retired, but everything else he's done, I, I just think great process. Yeah, that's the thing. It's a really nails roster, like top to bottom. You look at some of these guys like Raymond, like I don't know if he's going to be, you know, another was a European bus because then they draft uh, Werner from Florida State like a long time ago. Yeah. Um, I mean, even even if he doesn't immediately pop, I mean, even Jelani Woods doesn't have to pop. Like, you look at that first layer, that first level of the roster, they're starters, and we're saying this is already a, ch- a championship-caliber team just missing a quarterback. Now you're supplementing that. I think that that's going to, you know, come to fruition for them, like, whether it's this year or down the road. Like, this is a really good process, like you guys are saying, year in and year out. Are there more concerts at the draft this year than there normally are? Yeah, it's weird. Is it a, It's a concert-heavy draft? Well, Weezer, I think Weezer was on earlier and then ice cube was on right before we all hopped in the zoom my wish is that some absolute tom brady level superstar was drafted while weezer was on the stage (laughs) and that we just get like 10 years of like there's the pick scrolling at the bottom and weezer's playing some new song i guess it was a new song i never heard it before i mean like i guess they're all new songs after pinkerton if you're weezer you got to play the hits at the draft they didn't bring you to play your new stuff okay let me push back on that. I actually think Weezer might be a little too big to play the draft, and so they're allowed to play new stuff in that specific context. Okay. Yeah. Fair. It's day Fair. three. It's day three. This isn't the first round. I think Weezer has more capital than you think on the third day of the draft. At least play like a mid-level hit. Play like uh, yeah. Beverly Hills. Is that the, one, the song that came out like uh, kind Don't of later know. in their, Don't their prime? Don't know. I'm a, I'm a first two albums guy. Um, all right. So... Kalen Jones, second class. We said we weren't going to touch on the Ravens. Um, oh, no, we can. We definitely can. I, you weren't even on Thursday Night Show. We can. We can uh, absolutely. I mean, we have to say the Ravens. We have to say the Ravens. It's just so stupid. Like, for I mean, I, I'll try not to touch again. Like the top three picks because they're all top one hundred players. You know, Javo, Linderbaum, Hamilton, Travis Jones, Fa Lele, Charlie Kolar, even Jordan Stout. Man, like every single year, it feels like the Ravens are stealing. And either, you know, when you look at, you put up their draft classes over and over again, like even in the moment we're saying good hits, even if they don't end up popping, there's always guys who end up contributing and whether it's for the Ravens or somebody else like Darren Waller, or Kyle Juszczyk. So, I mean, looking at the top and even the interior, I think like Travis Jones is going to be a natural, you know, fit within their interior, super athletic for his size. Lele, I think that you could plug him in within the offensive line and they get back to being really nasty in terms of running the football. So I'm, I'm just really impressed by what Baltimore does year in and year out. Like Eric Costa, home run. I know that they got rid of Marquise Brown and people were debating that, but he's done a really good job with this class. Dude, they're four, they had like 50 fourth-round picks. Like they, they, it's exactly what Stephen was saying about the Colts. Like they understood like the comp pick stuff they do. Like they understand how to create value in the draft. And then they just don't do dumb things during the draft. They do the smartest thing possible with the most picks. They're another team like the Colts. Like every year, you know, they're going to get two or three good players. hundred percent. So listen, between now and Thursday, like we've done so much praise of the Ravens, but it's absolutely warranted. Like they are one of the smartest franchises ever. Ever like, and that's why they consistently beat. You know, they 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 are better than you should be in a game that's supposed to legislate fairness. Uh, Stephen Ruiz, second class. Uh, I'm gonna go with the Falcons. I I really like the Ritter pick. I'm so happy you're doing this because the Falcons and another team were were on my list. Now I, I didn't know how to break the tie. I'm glad you're you're addressing this right now. You have the floor. Yeah, I I, I really love the Drake London pick. I think pairing London with Pitts is just a nightmare for defenses. Just two guys that are 
pterodactyls and can do everything you want them to do on a football field. I think they get pigeonholed because they are bigger basketball body types, but they don't move like it. And then Desmond Ritter, getting him on round three, I wasn't the the biggest Ritter fan, but in round three, that's a great pick. He's he's a gamer, man, as a quarterback. He's, he's aggressive within structure, which is really hard to find, especially these days. He has athleticism. He, he put up crazy testing numbers. I think he was the most athletic uh, quarterback who tested. Malik Willis didn't. I mean, I just think this is a great class. And then they got the pass rusher from Penn State. Big Arnie. Ebikini. I think he has a chance to be one of the more productive edge rushers from this class. And they have needed a defensive end since, like, John Abraham left, like, 15 years ago. Like, Croy Bierman. Do you guys remember Croy Bierman? So, great draft for the Falcons. I think Ter- I didn't like Terry Fondnode's first offseason as – a GM second off season has gone much better. So a couple of things. I, I, I agree. I love Arnold big Arnie as I call him. And the other guy I want to shout out because here's the mid round pick that put the Falcons on my radar, Montana States, Troy Anderson. When you're that big, he's uh 240 pounds. Listen, that's not huge for a linebacker, but if you look at the, the list of guys who are, 240 pounds and above and run in the four fours more times than not. It's a productive NFL player. And sometimes it's an absolute superstar. Okay. And Anderson was on my list of, of my favorite athletes to take a flyer on him in, in the second round, I think is, is absolutely uh, has the capability to be special. I really like what they did. They got better. This is going to be a long rebuild, but they're playing it right. Kalen. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think Anderson being, you know, a core member of that, is really fascinating because like you mentioned, this dude is super athletic, hasn't been playing linebacker that long too. He's been playing like, you know, he grew up playing quarterback, tight end, running back, whatever yeah. it was. But yeah, I mean, like you guys nailed on the head, like you're getting, I think like they're nailing, you know, taking the right swings with their first round picks. And then now we've seen them layer it. Like Ibikidi, like Steven just mentioned, high upside, like guys who I trust who study pass rushers, they've been really high on his upside. Troy mm-hmm. Anderson, again, the athleticism is there. Ritter taking a flyer on him. And then the fact that he fits their system, like, you know, what right. Arthur Smith wants to be able to do. You know, you talk about the stature of him being comparable to Marcus Mariota. You tie that into also being aggressive within the structure, like Stephen was saying. And I think that you have a developmental quarterback that can, at, ver- at the very least, be like an average starter, you know, because he has the physical tools and the processing ability. So, I mean... I'm really in on their first couple of picks. I'm questioning like Tyler Algier. I mean, if he ends up being a really good back, um, I will, you know, take that in stride. But other than that, I mean, this is a really, really strong group. We're ignoring day three. No day three pick analysis. I'm only doing day three. They also did what I would do, which is they just took two Georgia guys in the sixth round. They're just like, yeah, whatever. This seems, these guys seem good. These guys popped on (laughs) Smart move. Also, they were offensive players, which is the move. That's the money ball move. To take Georgia offensive players. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> you zig when they zag. Like Kalen said, I, I didn't even mention that. The fit in Arthur Smith's system. Like Ritter's comps have been, I've heard Ryan Tannehill a bunch, and we all, we all know what Ryan Tannehill did in that offense. But a guy that's going to throw it over the middle and stand in the pocket, that's what Arthur Smith needs to run that offense. And now he has two receivers that I think can win those balls over the middle like we saw Corey Davis do, we saw A.J. Brown do when the Titans were really at, at their height the last couple of years. I don't, I, I like this offense. It's at least fun to watch now. And I think heading out of last season and you knew Matt Ryan's time there was kind of coming to an end. It would have been easy for them to botch this off season and Falcons fans would have nothing to look forward to next season. But I think now Falcons fans can get excited about watching a good young team. I agree. I want Ruiz to get mad at this. I earnestly, so Atlanta was on my list, but I, I was going to pick another team because of a, a, a pair of picks that I think complement each other perfectly and complement what they're trying to build. I loved the Pittsburgh Steelers draft because I think George Pickens with the second round pick, um, 6'3", 195, played like, and I mean this is a compliment, played a little bit like a jerk at Georgia, um, physical, understands what he needs to do at all times, just looked awesome for his entire college career. And then Calvin Austin, 5'8", 170. He's from Memphis, one of the best athletes in the draft. Um, To add those two receivers and giving Kenny Pickett all the help he's going to 
going to need in his first year, I think is a, a pretty significant plan and a step in the right direction. And it shows me that Pittsburgh knows exactly how to play the next couple of years with Kenny Pickett. No, I actually really like their day two. I thought they had one of the better day twos. I, I still hate the Kenny Pickett pick. I, <laughs> I, th- I thought they were drafting for the next five years rather than the next 10 years. And the quotes from Mike Tomlin basically confirmed that that's why they drafted him because he's ready to play right away. I just think that's too short-sighted, and I think it's going to burn them in four years. I, I, I do think he's going to be a good player because they're going to put a good team around him. They're the Steelers. They have a good team every year. And they're going to be in the same position that all these teams with top, what, 15 – to 20 quarterbacks get into when you get to their fifth year option but for now i think it's going to work it makes sense that's that's what their timeline is asking for a quarterback that can play now their defense is built to win now sure but let me ask you a question steven is kenny pickett do you think that kenny pickett is so bad that even if you surround him with the right pieces he cannot be a productive quarterback are you putting him almost in 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 like the Trubisky zone. I don't, I don't. I just need to know. I need to grasp this because I think we're fundamentally disagreeing on how we view the Steelers and, and Kenny Pickett. I'm much. I don't think Kenny Pickett's going to be an All Pro, but I think he's good enough to do something if the Steelers go about the team building process correctly, which I think is happening. Are you so low on Pickett that you think that even though even these moves can't help? Let me let me say one thing first. Nobody knows anything about quarterbacks, like me That's included. True. We're all guessing, but so he could very well turn out to be a good player. Like, and I think my issue with putting a quarterback like Pickett into a situation like that, it's similar to the Baker Mayfield thing where I think his style can waste a great supporting cast because Kenny Pickett is a little jittery in the pocket. He loves to get outside of the pocket and kind of abandon the structure of a play or buy time. Fake Neil. Bush league player. He's a Bush league player. No, but (laughs) I I do think that type of quarterback, I'd rather have like a point guard type, like a guy that's going to distribute. And I don't think that's Kenny Pickett's game. I think he's been, given that label just because he's a fifth year senior and we just tend to follow all those stereotypes for older guys. But when you watch his tape, he's not like i I'm going to drop back, hit the, the top of my drop and get rid of the ball guy. He holds onto the ball for an eternity. He likes to scramble. It's too Baker Mayfield ish for me. And we saw what Baker Mayfield did with that Brown supporting cast. Like when it was perfect and he went on a hot streak at the end of 2020, they got to the playoffs. But when he wasn't hot, he held that team back. Kenny Pickett also looks taller than he actually is. He's 6'3", and he's, he kind of looks like a 6'5", gentleman. Um, Kalen Jones, what do you think? Yeah, no, I, I agree with everything you guys have said. I would get on the point that, especially when it comes to receivers, like George Pickens and Calvin Austin, when it comes to Pickens, I think the only reason why he fell out of the first round is because of the character issues. And, you know, we've seen the Steelers time and time again maximize and seem to, you know, reel in tough, you know, personalities and different personalities. They got the most out of Antonio Brown. Um, they got the most out of, you know, Juju Smith and um, Chase Claypool, arguably, if you want to put him in that that group. But um, And even Martavis Bryant when he was there. So they, they've propensity to develop these guys regardless of, you know, character, whatever. They, they will make sure that you are a good football player. So I'm really excited to see, like, what he can do there. Additionally, with Calvin Austin, like, if we can get Kenny Pickett to become point guard, Kenny Pickett, instead of shooting guard, I'm going to put up, you know, Russell Westbrook numbers, Kenny Pickett, then, you know, th- this pick in particular, like with Calvin Austin, can end up being significant in terms of having one of the most explosive receivers in the league. He was someone I, I was really fond of and surprised that he was there in the fourth round. And even DeMarvin Leal, like they, they nailed some of these guys, whether it's pedigree talent or, you know, family, I guess, with Connor Hayward. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to explain it, like, <laughs> but there are pillars that Kevin Colbert had, and this yeah. is a very Steelers draft. Like, if you didn't have Pittsburgh on the name of this, I would say, yeah, see what this is Steelers draft. Yeah, I'm never going to criticize a Steelers uh, receiver draft pick because they all turn out to be all pros. I, I'm, I'm not going to criticize any of them. Yeah, great picks. Calvin Austin, I know he's 5'8". Sammy Coates. Except for Sammy Coates. How Coates. sad is Sammy Coates that he was, like, the one guy? <laughs> he's the... He was the one guy. Do you think he's in the group chat? Or they don't let him in. Well, I mean, I guess, I guess the question is whether or not like the group chat covers the last decade of receivers. No, it does. Like, like once you get drafted, you get in. Did Heinz Ward start the group chat in like 2005? No, it was <laughs> John Stallworth. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm personal price plan can help you do just that. 
Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash RingerNFL. Just go to Indeed.com slash RingerNFL right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're going to do two of our favorite picks. Um, it can be by teams that, that maybe we didn't think had a great draft, but just, just we want to give, give some shout-outs here because there's a couple of picks that I really, really, really liked. Kalen Jones, what's your first one? Uh, my first one is Baylor Safety JT Woods for the mm. Chargers. I absolutely mm. love that pick. And Brandon Staley was talking about it. Or I think it was Telesco. One of, it's one of the higher-ups from the Chargers was discussing this yesterday. One of those guys. They drafted him so that way. Yeah, one of those guys. The, like, the point is of drafting him was to put an outfielder who has a lot of range. You can pair him up with Nas Adderley and let mm-hmm. Derwin James play close to the line of scrimmage, and he can do whatever the hell they want him to do. So, And I think that's really been a focal point of the Chargers offseason this year. Like, I asked Staley about that. Like, you know, you get the first year to really identify where you need help. And I think, you know, this stretches back to free agency, them getting Cleo Mack, all that and Austin Johnson up front, but they've done a really good job at identifying where they were short and where they needed help. And I've really, you know, made sure that they doubled over by filling those holes and those gaps within their scheme this year to where their defense is probably going to end up being a top 10, top five unit, I think this year, just on paper. And if Woods is as talented as, you know, I think he is, and he can immediately step in and provide that, you know, uh, that, that outfielder type, you know, player alongside Adderley consistently, then we're going to be talking about, you know, the Chargers not only being, again, AFC contenders, but probably Super Bowl contenders. So I love Zion Johnson, the first round pick. Um, Otito from UCLA, the fifth round pick, I, I like as well, high ceiling. Steven Ruiz, it seems like a yearly uh, a yearly tradition. Telesco kind of in his bag. I feel like Telesco is one of the more slept on GMs in the league. And he's been, totally agree. There's a reason why we all fall for the Chargers every year. It's because they have good rosters every year. And I've seen people like criticize Telesco and I don't get it. Their problem in the past has been coaching. It remains to be seen whether that's going to continue to be a problem going forward. I think Brandon Staley's a good coach. I know Kevin Clark thinks he's the worst coach in the league. I no, don't think he's the worst coach in the league. <laughs> By the way, Kayla, when you ask him a, a question in a press conference and he starts answering, does like a uh, optimistic piano melody start playing in the background and it just like swells up as he gets more and more emotional it's definitely fascinating because i mean like he cares you know like he's it, you know all these guys are professionals so they zone in and all of a sudden they give you like these beautiful but in in terms of care and precision in terms of answers because you know i'm not good at that brandon staley is amazing at answering questions he's a podcaster he's a podcaster he was a literal blogger for X's nose lab, like four years ago, like in a, while we've been all writing about football, he has also been writing with football when he was at John Carroll or, or wherever, wherever it was. Um, he actually was writing blogs about like how to set up defenses and stuff. That's not a joke. And actually I find that cool. I'm not, that's not a dig. That's another, there's two things that are amazing about it. Number one is that he likes sharing information and kind of in the same way we like all talking ball. And the second part of it is that, that rise is kind of incredible. Like the idea that you'd be writing pieces when you were at a small college just a few years ago, all of a sudden you get the NFL radar, all of a sudden you get on Sean McVay's radar, and all of a sudden you're a head coach. Like that's the rise that everybody aspires to. So I don't, we take digs at some people yeah. just because they're the kind of the sacred cows of the Stephen Ruiz, Ben Solaks of the world. But like that's <laughs> not a shade on Brandon Staley as, no. as a person and a story. RG3 for charity ran a 4-4-8-40 just now. Holy shit. Sign him up. Sign him up. Carolina, get on it. All right. I love that. That's a, that's a great that's a great first shout-out. Stephen Ruiz, give us your pick. I'm going to go with the team that we've already praised. I'm going to go with N'Kobe Dean, though. The Eagles ah. took N'Kobe Dean. I don't know how – what did he fall to the fourth round? But 
linebacker for the Eagles has been a problem for like five years now, and their linebackers have lacked two things. They haven't had speed and then just like general awareness of what's going on around them. And that's N'Kobe Dean. He's fast as hell. He's one of the smartest linebackers to come into the league in, in a, a couple of years. He was basically running practices at Georgia during the spring. He was calling plays out during the, the college football playoffs against Michigan. I don't know, man. I, th- I think this is the Eagles just keep nailing these picks. And then I think both the Eagles and the Packers did the smart thing. And you already alluded to this earlier with another team. They drafted two Georgia uh, defensive players. That's just the smartest thing to do. Draft the best players from the best team in football, the best defense in football last year. You pass the – they know ball. They pass the test. I, this reminds me a little bit of uh, someone from the Dolphins years ago when I was like probably in college and covering the team. They were talking about how bad the Dolphins drafts were. There was some crazy stat in, in the late 2000s where they didn't have any of the first-round picks on their roster in like 2008 for like the previous like seven years. Or something. I forget what the actual number was, but it was just absolutely, you know, your Jamar Fletchers were, were out of the league. Right. And, uh, I remember somebody saying like, if they had just not overthought it. And then as soon as the Bush Davis run started, just draft Miami hurricanes players. Like if you just look at it, they would have just, they would have just balled out for, for a decade. Like just don't do anything other than that for if there's a, a pro available for me versus Miami, just take them. Like that is almost how I feel about Georgia right now. And I sometimes feel that way about Alabama in some years. And we're probably going to see that next year um, with that class, which was one of the best classes of all time, the Will Anderson class, that kind of thing. Um, but with these Georgia guys, just take them and ask questions later, Kalen. Yeah, no, it, it's that way. I mean, it's similar to that, you know, like you said, that Miami defense from early 2000s not too mm-hmm. different from that do you remember when like ozzy newsome taking alabama players was like a bit that we all laughed at but like yeah he was drafting the best players from the best team and the ravens killed the draft every year like maybe every team should have been taking alabama players with every pick well i, I would also say something's happening in recruiting that is pretty unique to this era which is that so texas a&m just had the best recruiting class of all time and if you look at it, that's actually not that special because four of the five best recruiting classes of all time have come in the last four years. And it's just Texas A&M, Georgia, and Alabama just passing the baton. Like Alabama will like probably get it this year somehow. Um, and with NIL, that's only going to increase. But like, I think that there is actually a, a strategy here where it's just like, you know what? Actually, the best athletes in the world are going to the same six schools over and over again. And NFL teams need to realize that the fifth best player on a defense is actually maybe like the eighth best player in the country, you know? And that, that, that just, that's just unique to modern recruiting. Yeah, absolutely. It's because it's like you get five stars who, you know, duplicates at the same position. And those guys end up being five stars who never see the field. And all of a sudden they're in the draft and they're worth taking a flyer on because they have the athleticism without the tread. You know, it's, it's definitely worth at least taking a late round flyer, you know, like when these guys are taking them. I got a long ass list and I'm going to try to weave in a bunch of guys here, but I'm going to start with the New Orleans Saints and I'm going to talk about Alante Taylor, a cornerback from Tennessee. So as we know, I watch a lot of, uh, I'm a power watcher of random college football games on during the midweek. And I was watching, uh, I think it was Kentucky, Tennessee. And I saw a pick six where a guy just absolutely just sniffed it out immediately was quick as hell getting to the ball, quick as hell getting to the end zone. And I wrote the guy's name down. And a couple of weeks later, the guy declares for the draft. Alante Taylor was the guy. Spoiler alert. The guy I'm talking about was the guy. I wasn't telling an unrelated story. Um, it was Elante Taylor and he's been on my radar for a long time. And, and as we discussed, I tend to wait until we see how they run, see how they test. Elante Taylor is fast as hell. Um, he's instinctive. He has, I, I, I saw a scouting report saying he has body control. That's exactly the way I would, I would describe it. I just really liked him. I watched some of his press conferences. He was confident. Um, he seemed to, un, you know, process the game well. So I, I think that this is, we know that the Saints are pretty damn good at scouting defensive backs. I think this is more of the same to get them in the middle of the second round. This this seems to me like in mid-year, we're going to be talking about Elante Taylor and how a lot of teams passed on him. Anything on the Saints guys in this draft? I didn't like the penning pick. I think we covered that on Thursday. But yeah, I thought it was a good draft. I liked Alave. I liked Taylor. I, I was watching uh, a little highlight package. I saw the Kentucky interception. And so now I've watched film. I've grinded the film. And I agree, Taylor's good. But I do think... 
like the the one skill that always translate or seems to translate is the ability to like jump those those routes and pick them and take them to the house like Asante Samuel, I feel like was undervalued as a player, and then he did that in the NFL. Marcus Peters, I think, fell. Asante Samuel Senior. We're old, remember? I can't wait to tell my kids about uh, Asante Samuel Junior. I mean, their kids are gonna hear about Asante Samuel the third. So, I do want to say that ninety percent of my tape scouting comes on watching SEC Network replays on like a Tuesday. I don't know why it's because I'm I'm always either working. Or Nick yeah, I'm either working on Saturday, like traveling somewhere for for NFL, or there's some Miami game that I've just stupidly traveled to. And so I never watch, I'm never able to watch like a Kentucky, Tennessee live. And then like I'll catch on the SC network on like Tuesday. That's where I find out my, my Alante Taylor's midweek replays. That's like your favorite content. You're always talking about like ESPN classic and watching old games. Like you're like, why isn't ESPN two showing old games? I don't actively really watch television. I, I tend to write and work. You should try it sometime. And so I got my laptop here set up and then I got a big TV here and I'm just going to, I'm going to throw on sports. What else am I going to put on? Ozark with no sound? What else am I going to do? Put on baseball. Oh, yeah, okay. Let's get serious. Baseball? You don't have to watch sports. <laughs> we don't have to watch sports. We can watch baseball. Uh, so, yeah, Alante Taylor. I, I agree with you. The Trevor's Penning pick. High ceiling guy. I, I don't – I think they can coach him up. Um, I'm actually yeah. just – I don't know a ton about him, and I know that there's there's a kind of an anti-Penning sentiment at the ringer. So, I, I, I'm, I'm just going to default to you guys. Uh, but I did I did like his, his athleticism. I just don't know a ton about him. Uh, Kayla, next pick. Uh, my next pick, I got the Buffalo Bills taking receiver Khalil Shakir out of Boise State. I know that they already have Jameson Crowder, who they added uh, this offseason to kind of replace Cole Beasley in the slot. But I just like the idea of Brandon Bean just being like, you know, screw it. We're going to add as much weapons as possible and help Josh Allen. Because I don't know, man. Like, I, I think that he was, you know, a day two value that they ended up finding on day three mm -hmm. and when you look at some of the weapons that they already added or one of the weapons really it's James Cook who I was really excited about when they added him getting uh, some juice in the, in the running back room who can provide in the receiving game um, you look at the the ability for them to be able to put in Shakir Diggs Gabriel Davis and Jameson Crowder and I mean that that's nasty <laughs> that's, that's super nasty yep. so I, I like the pick and it gives him time to develop too Steven Bills. I love like not being a GM so I could have like these roster building theories that I never <laughs> have to test and I never get owned for. But I, I think teams like the Bills that are very successful and they're very good at certain things like passing the football, try to fill in gaps rather than trying to maintain that strength. So I agree. I, I think a lot of people talked about improving the running game and kind of trying to figure out how to add another element to the office. I, I say screw that. No running game, like just soup up the passing game to the point where nobody can stop you and just keep strengthening it. Because eventually, like Stefan Diggs is going to age. Cole Beasley is doing God not, knows what. Yeah, not. But uh, yeah, I think that's the smart move. Keep this receiving core stronger, like keep strengthening it. And I think that's how you maintain your success. If you try to start chasing other threads, I think there's a chance that your passing game falls off a little bit and all of a sudden you don't really have an elite tool any, anywhere on the roster. McKenzie and yeah. O.J. Howard, who they added this offseason soon, man. Crazy. What's your next pick, Steve? I'm going to do a Ravens pick. I'm going to go with uh, David Ojibwa. Mm. The reason why I really like this pick for the Ravens, obviously he tore his Achilles at his pro day. Mm -hmm. He's probably not going to play this year. But he's a first-round talent that falls to the second round. And what I really like about this is that the Ravens just hired the Michigan defensive coordinator. They sure did. So – the one worry about taking these players that have that can't play that first year is them not getting the reps. I don't think it matters as much for him because he's playing in the same system. I mean, it's obviously going to change because it's the NFL and not the Big Ten. But like verbiage and picking up the playbook, he has a head start. So I don't think him sitting out is going to hurt him as much as it would for another team where he has to learn a totally new system. I, I'm in complete agreement with that. I think that's that's a fit. Um, Ravens culture, there, there's there's a fit there. I, I I love the the connection not only to the Harbaugh family, but the, obviously what you said with Mike McDonald as well. Kalen, anything on that? Yeah, no, I agree with that. I hadn't even considered, you know, the 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 thing is when he comes back from injury, considering how new he is to the game, being in a system that he's familiar with will probably accelerate his development. So yeah, pretty big. I don't think any team gets a position like the Ravens get edge rusher. They're the best at it. They're just a factory. They just churn them out. 
ship them off in free agency, get a comp pick, and then draft the next guy with that comp pick. It's amazing to watch. Like on everything, I have like 10 guys here, and I got to whittle it down to one. I do want to shout out Zamir White, the running back from Georgia, who I love. He was in that platoon. He went to Las Vegas. Sam Williams went to Dallas in round two. People said that was a reach. I don't I, I don't think that there's such thing as reaching on special athletes. I would also say, I mean, listen, Bill Belichick said that, that, that Cole Strange wasn't a reach. And I think they probably could have traded back into round two. But if they were that confident, people were talking about Logan Mankins uh, yesterday and, and the history of Belichick. Belichick's had some successful reaches and some unsuccessful reaches. He's not infallible at all. And I think that pointing to the past with Belichick, it's a choose-your-own-adventure novel because he's had a lot of hits and a lot of misses. That's just sort of what happens when you're generally smart over 25 years is that, yes, you do have successes you can point to, but sometimes you failed. So I'm not going to say that we should just, just totally trust Belichick in these spots, but... What I do think is if someone's a special athlete, I think that that there's a justification there um, to get him a little bit earlier. Was Cole Strange a reach? Sure, by that definition. Was Sam Williams a reach? Sure, by that definition. But I, I understand why to take him. Um, I'm actually going to go with a guy. I feels like only Mel Kuyper and I were excited about this guy because the NFL certainly didn't seem excited. And it's Amari Barno. He went to Carolina in the sixth round. One of the best 40-yard dashes, 4.36 in the history of the combine and his position for defensive ends. Uh, He's listed as an outside linebacker. He's not really that strong, but he's got spin moves. You get Brian Burns kind of teaching him some stuff. Hopefully, there's something there where he's able to create value. I just want guys like Amari Barno, 246 pounds, 6'5". He's big enough. He can add bulk in the weight room. I really do think that uh, Carolina maybe had a better draft than people like Steven Ruiz think. No, I think they had a good draft. Even the corral pick. I didn't. I made jokes on Twitter, but I didn't. I didn't hate the corral pick. I think that was a smart bet. I, I liked the first pick. Obviously, I said that on Thursday. No, I thought they had a good draft. I really think they've had a decent offseason, to be honest. I know I make a lot of jokes, and there's like a lot of it's easy to make jokes about this team because there's a lot of dysfunction, and I don't think the coaching staff is very good, but. I do think Fitterer has done a decent job building up the roster. They're totally lost at quarterback, and I don't think that's going to be solved anytime soon. But, yeah, the draft, I, I, I give it my thumbs up and give it a seal of approval. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Want to be more active this summer? Sierra helps you save on everything from swimsuits to stand-up paddle boards, tennis rackets to fishing tackle. And if that doesn't float your boat, we also have pool floats. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Let's quickly go through the quarterbacks that dropped and just kind of grade on on whatever scale you want to do what what we thought of it. So, um, obviously, Kenny Pickett goes in round one. Desmond Ritter, Cincinnati, we already talked about. Any thoughts on Desmond Ritter, Kalen, that, that Stephen didn't get to? Um, the only thing I'd add is that, you know, these dudes get stronger. You know, he can get stronger and add arm strength. I don't know if that'll, you know, translate to him being the strongest thrower in the NFL, but he can get stronger. I think that's one of the big critiques of him. I think, again, good developmental pick. Malik Willis to Tennessee, Stephen. As a football fan, I think it's going to be fun to watch because I do think Vrabel is the type of coach that's going to try stuff. They're not going to let Malik Willis – I know he's not ready to play quarterback yet in the NFL this year, but they're not going to let him waste away on the bench. He's going to see the field, and I think that team, after losing A.J. Brown, after losing Julio Jones, they lost Johnny Smith a year ago. They lost Corey Davis, was it two years ago, a year ago? Mm-hmm. They've lost a lot of receiving talent, and that team needs to be, if they're going to be good this year, because I think it's a little too late to add receiving talent, they're mm-hmm. going to be they need to be dominant on, on the ground. And I think Malik Willis will play a factor in that this year. So in that way, I thought it was probably the best landing spot for me just because I want to see Malik Willis play this year just because I, I feel like I've really invested in him now. I'm concerned about them being able to build up that roster in time for when he is ready to play. Like let's say he plays in two years and the receiving core looks like how it does now, I'm really concerned about that because I he has a tendency to go into hero mode, and if he's throwing to Anthony Ferksner, 
he's going to go into hero <laughs> mode. And that, I think that's going to stall his development a little bit. Interesting. Kalen, first of all, before I get to the big picture question, um, what did you think of, of Malik to, to Tennessee? Um, I love it, especially for where they you know, were able to get him. Um, like Steven mentioned, I, I think the real point is like the way that they use Tannehill is situational as a runner, right? They're not making any design runs for him. But now with Malik Willis, like Steven mentioned, you need to be able to double down on your strength with just rushing the football. With him in the lineup, you're now you're worried about both the quarterback and the running back being effective runners and explosive. And I think that's what has really been missing a dimension that can be unlocked in in uh, the Tennessee offense. And then, you know, Steve, I know you don't like the weapons, but I, I'm a big Kyle Phillips fan, Kyle Phillips believer. And then Chickaconquo is kind of like a Johnny Smith regen. So mm-hmm. they're trying to get back to being a good running, a really dynamic running football team. And I think with Willis and Toe allowing him to develop with Tannehill getting out the way, you know, down the road, I think that that could be a really good development for Tennessee. And and Burks, I do think, adds another element to that run game that makes it even more dynamic. Like you get Burks, Willis, and I think you can even keep, you could probably keep Ryan Tannehill on the field and do a little wildcat situation. That's a tough offense to match up with. And I think that they need, they need to be weird on offense to compete this year. And they have the pieces to get weird. Hey, guys, before we keep going on the quarterbacks, do you guys think that the slide and the idea that we went from pick 20 to the third round and guys like Sam Howell went in the fifth round, is that a reflection of next year's class and some of these teams believing that they're going to be pretty bad and that next year is the the crop? Either teams are comfortable going 2-15 and 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 trying to get in the Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud's uh, sweepstakes, Anthony Richardson's in that mix, Tyler Van Dyke's in that mix, a bunch of guys are in that mix. Are they are they trying to roll it over a year, or are these guys just generally bad? I think it's a combination of the two. I still don't understand how Malik fell as far as he did. Like we've been saying, like draft great athletes, and that's the one thing you could say about him. Like he's a great athlete, a generational runner, one of the best runners we've ever seen, and he has his arm is as strong as anyone in this class. It's the strongest arm in the class. I think it's up there with probably Trevor Lawrence's arm last year. I don't think it was stronger than Trey Lance's. I don't know. I just think it's a fundamental misunderstanding of where the quarterback position is going that he fell that far. So they must have really hated his tape if he fell that far. So I think it, in their minds, it's that, yes, they were that bad. Matt Corral to Carolina. Kalen? I still don't know how I feel about it. Um, I, I like his tools. He's got a big arm, quick release. Kind of accurate, but I mean, he was in a system at Ole Miss where they weren't asking him to be anything more than an RPO merchant, to be completely honest. So, sure. Um, I, I think the upside is there. I, I don't know how I feel like Ben McAdoo, West Coast uh, trait, like foundation. So, we'll see how sure. that kind of merges. I, I'm not too confident, though. My one issue with his game is he's not very aggressive within structure. And I think if you're going to be that type of quarterback, like the the more fluid type of quarterback, the playmaker, I think you have to be aggressive. And I think he's, you watch his tape, there's a little bit of Tua in there. There's there's like one crazy throw every game, but there's a little bit of Tua in there. And I, that's the reason why I'm a little concerned with him. But where they got him, I think it's worth the bet. I mean, you got Sam Darnold. You might as well take a flyer. Hey, Bailey Zappi, Western Kentucky quarterback, goes to the Patriots in the fourth round. Kalen? You love this guy. Yeah, I told you. I was going to say, I told you the other day, he's Case Keenum. And you love him? I don't <laughs> love him. I mean, for, if you can get Case Keenum in the fourth round, you would people would yeah, be happy with point. that. Good backup. That's what I'm saying. He'll be a backup for his entire career. And, man, that's not the worst plan in, in the world. So. New, new Chase, Chase Daniel 2.0? Make 20 million bucks. Be, be everybody's buddy. New Chase Daniel dropped. <laughs> <laughs> but what a confidence boost for Mac in practice on the arm strength front. Yeah. They're going to be making that. Mac look like Justin Herbert out there. Hey, Patriots draft kind of weird. Really weird. They got really weird. I kind of like it. I, I, I kind of get it. When you watch that offense last year, it really it got really condensed and, and put in this tight box where they could only attack inside the numbers. And I yeah. think they got speed with the Baylor receiver. They get the, the uh, Cole strange, very athletic can get outside the the tackles and make blocks downfield, and they didn't have that. They were too slow on the offensive line. I think that's why they traded away Shaq Mason for pennies on the dollars. I, you watch that tape, Shaq Mason couldn't hang in that offense, and they really needed to move on, and I, th- I thought it was a smart swap for them. I know Patriots fans are kind of scratching their heads at why they got rid of a guard and then for nothing who was pretty good and then drafted this guy that nobody's ever heard of, but it makes sense on paper. Uh, Sam Howell. 
first pick in the fifth round. This, to me, was a little bit of a surprise. Part of this, to me, that was surprising was Kuiper said this, and other people said this during the week, which makes me think it comes from people inside the UNC program. They lacked a little bit of competitive fire and lacked a little bit of juice, maybe, which I actually thought the opposite. I I thought he was kind of high-revved and played like a little bit of an energetic, competitive jerk in a good way. Um, I don't think he's all that good, but I was surprised that that line was trotted out this week. He was he, he had a little bit of Baker Mayfield in him uh, when he was bouncing off people and, and talking shit. I, I don't get that at all. I think you need to have some competitiveness to Agreed. run the way that he ran last year. Like He was r- trying to run over guys. And I, I think it might have been the same report, but I saw someone say like, you couldn't feel him when you watched the film. You couldn't see. You couldn't feel him on the field. What the hell does that mean? I don't know. I don't like the player, but I will defend that part of his game. What happens to him in the NFL? Like who? So he plays for the Commanders. I don't really think he's going to have any chance to see the field this year. But like, listen, Carson Wentz is bad. Carson Wentz is bad, and you and can't gets hurt and gets hurt. And you can't rule out the fact that the depth chart could change on a moment's notice. The Colts lost faith in Wentz last year. A lot of weird crap was going on. I don't think it's out of the question that in year two, Sam Howell could be in the mix in a training camp. I just don't know what this looks like at the NFL level, guys. Yeah, like I could see him in the mix with like competing with Heineke, you know, going into 2023. I, I mean, he's a Baker Mayfield clone. You watch him and it's, lit- it's literally Baker Mayfield. I mean, honestly, dude, he might be in a training camp competition in Washington with Baker Mayfield in 2023. <laughs> he, I think he can hang. I don't know if he's going to be a starter or anything, but I, th- I think he can hang. I, I do think with the type of offense they're going to have to run, I'm assuming it's going to look like the offense the Colts were running was a big RPO offense. So maybe they're drafting him because they think, if hey, if Wentz does get hurt and Heineke isn't the guy that we want him to be, maybe this rookie can play in a pinch. And I think if it's an RPO heavy offense, he can. I think any rookie quarterback can, but especially him because of the offense he played in at North Carolina. Any thoughts at all, and it's okay if you don't, on any of the three seventh-round quarterbacks, Chris Oladukun goes from South, South Dakota State goes to Pittsburgh. Skylar Thompson from Kansas State goes to Miami. Brock Purdy from Iowa State goes in the seventh round. Any thoughts on any of those guys? Now, I know there's some draft Twitter people that really love Skylar Thompson. I don't. I haven't watched him. I don't have any takes. Uh, Brock Purdy, sure, why not? I think he was worthy of a day three pick. Uh, he's not, I don't think he's ever going to be a starter, but I, I do think he's going to be around for 10 years as a backup. I think... Always take a flyer on a quarterback. Why not? What was the Skylar Thompson justification? I missed this corner of draft Twitter. Yeah, there's like a couple people that really like him. I think Greg Cosell might like him. Cool. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm not convinced, but sure. Dude, Mike McDaniel's coaching him up. Kansas State played Texas a few years ago, and I saw him play. He, he was good back then. I did, I'm surprised like he didn't develop. He's watched now? I mean, I, I haven't watched him play in two years. I'm not going to sit, sit here and say <laughs> I watched Skyler. You're supposed to pretend like you've watched him. Bailey Zappi was the end of my draft scout, and I was like, that's all the quarterbacks I need to watch. They were not good this year. Bailey Zappi got drafted. Ice Cube came on, and Kalen said, this is the end of the draft for me. That's it. That was it. Guys, anything else? Can we talk about the punt god? Becoming what was he punter number four? Huge drop. Not not even the not even close. Not even close to the top punter taken. Buffalo seems good. Yeah, yeah, but I, and now like people are kind of justifying why he slid, and I'm I'm reading these numbers, and it makes sense. Like he's not he just boots it really far, and he doesn't really direct it. Is is Roger Sherman on fraud watch? Dude, Roger Sherman is on fraud watch. Also. It, Roger Sherman came up with the punt god nickname, if I'm not mistaken, and Matt uh, kind of distanced himself from it today. So just a huge – dude, Roger Sherman kind of going out sad here, to be honest with you. He does the winners-losers uh, column. Is he going to put himself in the losers? <laughs> himself. Um, I need to shout out uh, the Seahawks draft real quick. I forgot to do Let's this. Let's do it. Cross. Moffitt. Yeah, Moffitt. Kenneth Walker, who I quite like. Uh, Kobe Bryant, he was a, a good candidate once he started that slide to, to be a value. He also – uh, grew up hearing tales of the Legion of Boom, the lore. He could only hear stories so passed down from generation to generation with the Legion of Boom. And then uh, Tariq Woolen, who is really intriguing prospect. Nice to take a flyer on him. This seems, guys, like an old school Seahawks draft. Just like it really does. Taking a bunch of big guys who can play. I don't want to say the Seahawks are back, but they're not not back. And not drafting a quarterback, power move, alpha move by then. They're just like, nope. What were they going to do? They got Drew Locke and Geno Smith. And Gino, dude, Geno's winning that job, man. We're Geno, week one starter in 2022. I can't believe it, but I but I love it. As a one of the 
biggest members of Geno Nation. I'm really excited. Me and Greg Rosenthal on that uh, on that hill. Guys, thank you too. Chris Sutton, additional produ- production supervision by Arjuna Ramkapal. We will be back on Monday doing a big wrap-up. Steven, I think I'm, I'm going to make the call right here. Should we do how many teams win the Super Bowl on Monday? Like, what, what are Let's we waiting it. for? Life Let's won't wait. Kobe Bryant's dad is telling him right. about the Legion of Boom. Like, this is – seconds are ticking by. Life won't wait, brother. It's time. Let's Monday, we're doing it. Nora's coming in. We're doing who can win the Super Bowl because we know the rosters. I guess – I mean, I guess you can make the case that once the comp pick deadline passes, that, like, guys like the Honey Badger will sign places. There's no team where signing the Honey Badger is going to switch them from not winning no. the Super Bowl to winning the Super Bowl. We're doing – who can win the Super Bowl on Monday? It's done. See you guys then. I'm treating the Odell report as canon too, so I'm going to assume <laughs> Debo is a, a Patriot for my pick. All right. Bye, guys.